Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. What an amazing song. Amen. And Jeff is laughing at me. Well, you know, I didn't know the guys were going to be singing that song this morning and it kind of leads into the, to, into the sermon that I'm going to talk about this morning. Who was here over the last couple of weeks and heard Noel speak on one day, one day the rapture will come? was an amazing um, series that he did. <laughs> but I don't know, I know for myself when I heard the sermons, um, something triggered within my spirit. And um, what triggered in me was, you know, about the need, about the urgency, about the importance of actually reaching people. You know, because I know when I get to heaven one day that I want to look around and see that all of you are there. But I also want to look around and see that my family members are there. That my work colleagues are there. That my community is there. And it triggered something in me that I actually began to pray for people random people that I don't even know. And I began to cry out to God for people in my prayer time because the importance, the urgency, because God loves us. He loves us so much that He wants each and every one of His children, each and every one of His people that He created to be in eternity with Him. And that just blows my mind. And we look at people in our world, in our life, in our workplaces, and we can look at them and we can say, they're unreachable. They're actually untouchable. I'm not going to go near them. There's people in our lives that we look at and we say, they're too far gone. They're too far gone to be, to be reached. It's impossible to help them. And this morning, I want to share about the life of Saul. And when I began to read about Saul and, um, I began to just delve into his character and into his lifestyle and, and I'm going to share it this morning. But Saul in the Bible, it's not King Saul I'm talking about. I'm actually talking about the Apostle Paul, who was known as Saul, but later became Paul. And I want to talk about how God captured this man's heart. How this man, who was untouchable, he was unreachable. And how God came in and how God changed the direction of his life. And not only did God change the direction of his life, God called out what he put in Paul. And when he called it out of him, Paul actually went into the world and he began to change Christianity for the better. So this morning, I think the guys have it on the slide there. I think it's, um, yeah, Acts 9. Thanks, Sam. Um, so we're going to be looking at Acts 9 and I'm going to be going in and out of some some scriptures. So... Just bear with me. But Father, we thank you this morning, Lord God, Father, that you're here. You're in the house, Father God. 
the Father, that you would save. You would save us, Lord God. A wretch, Father God, that I am, that we are, Father God, that you would come and that you would save us. And Father, I thank you for that this morning. And Lord, I ask, Father, breathe on your word this morning. Father, breathe your Holy Spirit on your word, Father, that your Holy Spirit would just begin to penetrate through this atmosphere, through lives this morning, through hearts this morning, Father. Father, we ask, Lord, Father, for transformation to take place in this house this morning. Father, open our eyes. Open the eyes, Father God, of our hearts. Open the eyes, Father, physically, that the scales would begin to fall off, Lord God. Father, we invite you now to come. Father, speak your word to your people this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. But yeah, I began to look at Paul. You know, and uh, this guy, he actually fascinated me. Um, and I began to look at the condition of Paul's heart. Sorry, I'm going to call him Saul for a minute. But his name is Saul. So I began to look at the condition of Saul's heart. And this man, his heart, it was filled with violence. It was filled with rage. It was filled with hatred. And this man was so full of hatred... That anybody that followed Jesus Christ, he would do anything in his power to go after them and to kill them. And it says it in, in Acts 9, 1. It says that Saul would breed out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and he asked for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. Damascus was a city. And he went there and he found anybody that belonged to the way. Now the way back then was the, was known as the Christian movement. It was Christianity. And whether you were a man or a woman, if you belonged to the way, Paul was going after you. And Paul was going after you to bring you back in chains, back to Jerusalem. Back to prison. You know, Saul's life was marked by a religious zeal. This man, Saul, he was mean. He was a hard man. This man, he was going around breathing out murderous threats. He was so full of rage. He was so full of malice. He was eager to kill anybody that came along his path. He wanted to stamp out Christianity. And he believed, this is what he actually believed. He believed that if he found any man or any woman that belonged to the way, he was actually doing the right thing. He was doing the right thing to wipe these men and women out. Anybody that was associated, affiliated with Jesus Christ. He became so zealous in his faith that it was black or white. There was no gray areas. You know, there was no compromise. And his blindness led him down a path of religious activism. You know what, today we would call that, um, he, he would be known as a religious terrorist. But Saul actually believed, this is how mad his thinking was, he actually believed that what he was doing 
he was doing a service to God. At the age of 13, he learned the scriptures. He was taught by a rabbi called Gamel. He knew the scriptures inside out. He could debate the scriptures to you. And this guy, Saul, actually thought he was doing the right thing. His hatred was intense. It was so aggressive that you would look at this man, Saul, and you would say, he's too far gone. He's too far gone to be reached. It's impossible to reach him. And not only was his hatred intense, his hatred was influential. So much so that he went to the chief priest and he demanded that they cooperate with him. And so much so that they would give him permission with signed documents to go to the city of Damascus and to drag back any man or woman that followed Jesus Christ. And he would drag them back so that they would be executed. He persecuted the church he did. He never left the early church alone. When it was in its infancy, he tried to destroy it. He, just, he tried to take it out. His hatred was so violent towards them. You know, even the law of the land began to back him. And Saul would then go outside of the borders of his own nation to go after any Christian that he found to bring them back. What you learn about this man, Saul, is you learn that his hatred led him to pursue, to pursue any Christian. And he didn't care what status they held as a Christian. As long as they were part of the way, it didn't matter. And it's similar for the, it's similar for us today. It's similar, um, you know, of the attacks of the enemy on us, on us today. You know, he doesn't care who you are. He doesn't care what congregation you belong to, what church you belong to. He actually doesn't care what position you hold. He doesn't care what title you hold or you don't hold. His hatred towards us is to destroy us. It's to blind us so that we don't fulfill the plan of God. You know, the bottom line is that Saul, actually, he hated Jesus. That's the bottom line. He hated him. And he hated his followers as well. It says about the encounter, and it, if you if you want to pull it up there, um, Sam, it's in Acts 9. He says that when he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. A light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground. And he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul responds back, Who are you? Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go to the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men that were traveling along with Saul, they stood there 
and they were speechless at what just happened. The men that were with him, they could hear the sound of the voice, but they couldn't see anything. So Saul gets up from the ground, and as he gets up, he opens his eyes, but he's totally blinded. He can't see. So these men actually take him by the hand, and they lead him to the city of Damascus. For three days, he's blind. For three days, he doesn't eat anything or he doesn't drink anything. And what struck me about this passage was that Jesus is actually speaking to him directly. Jesus is calling him by name. Jesus is saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? You know, Jesus didn't say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting the church? But Jesus says to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You see, what Jesus was really saying is, you know what, Saul? It's actually pointless. (laughs) It's actually useless, you persecuting me. You're fighting against the odds here. You're fighting against my will here. And you know, today, Jesus is still roaming the earth. He's still going back and forth and he's still looking for men and women who are fighting against his will. Men and women that seem too far off, unreachable, untouchable. But you know, they're not too far off for God. And they're not too far gone for God. The men that accompanied Saul on this journey, the scriptures brought it out, they stood there speechless. They couldn't speak. They could hear the voice of God, but they couldn't see anybody. You've got to picture this. Imagine being on that road that day. And you're walking along. And all of a sudden, This light, and it wasn't just any light, it was the glory of God that came and that shone all around them. So can you just imagine that when the glory of the Lord came, that Saul, he didn't just fall to his feet, he was probably thrown back on his on his knees because the glory of the Lord was so strong, that the power of God was so strong that he falls down trembling. So you can imagine that these two, these men that accompanied him, that they're standing on the, on the byway there and they're, they're looking and they can sense there's something happening here. There's actually something going on here. There's somebody speaking to Saul. There's actually somebody speaking to Saul here. This light was so intense. And it tells us throughout the scriptures, you know, when Jesus crosses over to the other side and the man in the tomb comes out and the man is uh, is demon possessed. And when he sees Jesus and he begins to say to him, what do you want with me, son of man? You see, the glory of God, the power of God is so strong that even the demons know, even the demons recognize who Jesus is. When Saul fell to his knees and had the encounter, he began to realize 
that Jesus was the Son of God. He was the Son of God that rose from the dead. You see, Saul had a relationship with God, but he didn't know Jesus. And that encounter that day, that encounter that day changed everything in Saul's life. What would your thought be if that happened to you that day? Think about it. What would your thought be? I think for me, I think I would be prostrated out on the ground because I think the glory of the Lord would be so heavy, would be so present that you wouldn't be able to get back up. When you look at this picture, Saul, the terrorist, that's what I'm going to call him because that's what he was. He's a mighty terror persecuting the church. And here he is now kneeling before God Almighty. What a picture. Saul, the one who thought he saw so clearly, is now being led around by the hand because he's blind. Saul, the one who persecuted the church, is now captivated by Jesus. What a picture. Saul, the one who broke others, who killed others, who persecuted others. Here he is now and he's broken himself. When the Lord, then the Lord, you know, throughout the scripture, he begins to say that there was a man named Ananias. And this man, Ananias, he was a believer. And he says that this man, Ananias, was going to pray for Saul. He was going to lay hands on Saul. And Saul was going to receive his sight back. And you see it in verse 13. It says that when God spoke to Ananias, he spoke to him in a vision. And he spoke to him about Saul. Now you can just imagine this. Ananias gets this vision from God that God wants Saul, that God wants Ananias to go to Straight Street, to go in there, to lay his hands on Saul, to baptize him so that Saul could receive his sight again. So Ananias gets this vision. And when he recognizes and when he sees that it's Saul, the first thing out of Ananias' mouth is, You've got to be kidding me. You've got to be actually kidding me. You want me to go to Straight Street and you want me to lay my hands on Saul who has persecuted the church, who has killed many, many Christians and you want me to stand in the same room as this guy. You know what? It would actually be like Jesus saying to me, Louise, I want you to go down the road and I want you to knock on a house down there in Pimlico. And in that house, there's a guy there. He's a tall guy. He has a turban on his head and he has a long beard, just like, you know, that band ZZ Top. Well, he has a, he has a, a long beard and uh, his name is Osama Bin Laden. And I want you to go in there and I want you to lay hands on him. 
and I want you to baptize him. I know what I'd say to him. You've got to be kidding me. I'm not going near that terrorist. So this is what Ananias was dealing with when the Lord said to him, I want you to go to Straight Street and I want you to put your hands on Saul. I want you to pray for Saul. The scales are going to fall off his eyes and he's going to see again. You know what? Sometimes we actually don't have a clue what God is doing. (laughs) We've no idea what God is doing behind the scenes. But you see, something happened that day. And something happened in Ananias' heart as well. You see, behind the scenes, God is preparing Saul. He's preparing him. And you see, Ananias obeys. And Ananias goes to Straight Street. And he goes and he lays hands on Saul. And it got me thinking that God actually goes to the untouchable. He goes to the unreachable before we even get there. God is doing something supernaturally. God is doing something. Even while we're here this morning, God is doing something supernaturally. He's preparing people. He's getting people ready to come into the kingdom. And he's going to use us. And when Ananias agrees to go, I love this. God tells him. He says, Ananias, this man that I have chosen, Saul, is my chosen instrument. He's going to go and he's going to proclaim my name, Jesus. He's going to proclaim my name, Jesus, to the Gentiles and to their kings and to the people of Israel. God is working always behind the scenes. You know, there's a movie called The Shack. And if you haven't seen it, I'd encourage you, watch it, it's good. But there's a part in the movie. And the part in the movie, um, it's where God is actually sitting on the porch. And he's a pair of sunglasses on him. And it looks that God is actually sitting there taking a break. And he's soaking up the rays. And this guy, Mac, comes along and he says to God, he said, are you catching a few rays? And God's response to him is, you've no idea. You've no idea right now how much work I'm doing. You've no idea. God is always working behind the scenes. And here we have Saul Saul the terror. Saul the mighty one. He now becomes reachable. He now becomes touchable. He's now known as Paul the apostle. Have we any Pauls in the house today? No. But when you see Paul Martin, you can tell him that his name means small. It actually suits him. But you can also tell him 
<laughs> but you can also tell him that his name means humble. You know, Saul's the name in Saul was, was huge in Israel. A lot of people were called after King Saul. But here we see God humbling Paul. You know, the two men are the men that were accompanying him that day on the road to Damascus. See this, this sermon? There was loads in it. I was trying to get everything in. So I'm jumping from one thing to the other. So stick with me. But these men that were with him that day, they seen everything that went on with Paul. They witnessed everything that he did, all the killings that he did, all the persecution of the church. They seen everything that he did. But they also seen his life being transformed that day on the road to Damascus. We don't hear much about these men after that. We don't know if what they saw impacted them. We don't know if they made a decision to say, I'm going to follow Jesus. We don't know if they wanted to be able to see things differently. And it got me thinking, you know, over the last two years, I wanted to see things differently in my own life. I wanted to see things differently. Spiritually, personally. And at times I felt God was unreachable. I wanted to have a new experience with Jesus. I wanted not to be going off my conversion 20 years ago. But I wanted a new encounter. I wanted it to be a new day. You see, I knew that the Lord was my Savior. I knew that. But it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough just hearing the sermons coming in week in, week out. I wanted more. And it got me thinking that we actually can't live off somebody else's conversion. Those men that witnessed Paul that day being transformed, they can't actually live off his conversion. They couldn't live off what they had seen that day on the road to Damascus. You see, Paul had a very personal encounter with the living God. And that's the same for us here this morning. You might be hanging in by a thread with your faith right now. But you can have a fresh encounter with the living God this morning. You know what happened to Paul was when he encountered this, this transformation on the road to Damascus. He didn't remain the same. You see, because what happened was that encounter, it produced change. He began to live for Jesus. He began to preach the gospel. He began to have a true heart transformation. His feelings, his emotions, they were changed. This was a man that was once going around filled with hatred, filled with anger. Is now going to the Christian believers and he's telling them about the encounter that he had with Jesus Christ. 
This is a man that wanted to get up in the synagogues and, and preach. And he did preach. You see, it's not enough to just hear or to see. God wants us to have an experience of him. He wants us to have a living experience, a real experience, a life-changing experience. And it's possible still today. And how do you know if, if you need an encounter with Jesus? Well, you know what? You mightn't be running around threatening people or reading out murderous threats or but there could be something amiss in your life. There could be something that you're doing wrong. There could be something that you're trying to fill the emptiness with. Saul had that personal encounter that day. He heard the voice of Jesus calling him. The voice of God is persistent. The voice of God never fades out. The voice of God never goes away. You see, the voice of God is still calling his people. The voice of God is still roaming this earth, looking for men and women to come alongside him. You see, the voice of God, he won't give up on his people. God will never give up on his people. You know what? This generation, they can party it out. They can sing it out. They can kick it out. They can fight it out. But they will never drown out the voice of God. Because God will send an Ananias. He will send someone along the way to share the gospel with them. You see, God loves and he cares for every human being on the planet. We sang it this morning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that God would save a wretch like you and me. God is always roaming the earth looking for men and women to bring into the kingdom. Looking for men and women that will be a voice in this nation or in the lands further afield to tell about the living God. Jesus is very much alive. You know, Jesus gives chance after chance after chance. He sent the Son. He sent His Spirit. He sent the Scriptures. Jesus sends and He sends and He sends. Jesus fights and He fights and He fights and He gives and He gives and He gives. You see, Jesus loves. He has a love bigger than the ocean. And it got me thinking, do you know something? It's actually hard for someone to go to hell. Because God loves them so much. But God wants to move people from just hearing or seeing. He wants you to experience like Paul. He wants you to obey like Ananias. And I don't know about you. But my flame went out for a while. But my flame is coming back. Hallelujah. It's coming back. I want to be radical for Jesus. I want to be on fire for Jesus. 
I want to see my loved ones alongside me in heaven. I want to see my community in heaven with me. And I don't know about you this morning, but if you want to be radical and on fire for Jesus, it's here for you too. It's not just for the elite up the front. We're just like yous. It's just that we just have a different role, a different capacity to play in the army. But it's for everybody. It's even for the young kids down the back. They can be radical on fire for Jesus. They can tell kids about Jesus. They can witness about Jesus. You see, even Saul in his madness, he witnessed the miracles of Jesus. He witnessed them. He seen them. He seen the early church spreading. And it goaded him. G-O-A-D. It provoked him. It made him angry. It actually pained him. You know what? I want to be on fire for Jesus. I want to be goaded in the right way for Jesus. Amen. And you know something? God will send you to go and reach the unreachable. God will send you to go and reach the untouchable. And you know something? Paul didn't have it easy. You know, it wasn't just plain sailing like Paul experienced pain even when he became a follower of Jesus. It brings it out in Acts 20. It says that this is how Paul served the Lord. He said he served him through humility. He served him through hard times. He served him through witnessing to people. He served him through hardship. He served the Lord through studying the word. He served the Lord by caring about people. He served the Lord by refusing to be materialistic. There's one. He served the Lord by having a vibrant prayer life. He served the Lord by loving the unlovable, the unreachable, the untouchable. He was God's chosen instrument. And God was calling him out. God was calling him out what he had destined him to be. You see, God knew. He's my chosen instrument. He's going to go after my people. He's not going to persecute them anymore. But he's going to go after them. And he's going to tell them about the encounter that he had with me. And this morning, Liberty, or if you're visiting with us this morning, what a morning to be here. Because you've been called for such a time as this. You've been called to reach souls. You've been called to reach the souls of Tarsus that's in your circle. There's unreachable apostles called Paul out there in our world. In our workplace. Where we live. Our friends. Our relations. That are destined to preach that are destined to evangelize, that are destined to bring their children up in the ways of the Lord, that are destined to change things in this country, that are destined to have an encounter with the living God. We've been born for such a time as this. 
We've been born, think about it, into this generation, 2019, for such a time as this. Because there's somebody waiting at the other side to hear about Jesus Christ. And you're going to be the one that's going to bring the good news to them. You see, Jesus put the baton in our hand. It's actually in our hand. We have the tools in our hand to look for men and women to help. There's always going to be a Paul, a Saul out there that we can help. We can give people something to look forward to. Why? Because Jesus is in us. He's in us. Think about your own conversion. Who did God send on your road to Damascus? Who was it that told you about Jesus Christ? Who shared the gospel with you? Has your flame gone out? Are you still radical for Jesus this morning? And I'm just finishing up. You know something? It doesn't matter. It actually doesn't matter how you started out. Or how you're going to start in. What matters is how you're going to finish the race. You know, Paul, he started out a terror. He was a holy terror. He was a nightmare. He was a, he was kicking against God. And he brings it out in Acts 26, I think it is. Jimmy, you probably you can correct me. And he says, it says in, in Acts 26, it says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? This is Jesus asking them this. Why are you persecuting me? Is it hard to kick against the goats? I'm looking at it. Oh, that must be a misprint. That probably should have said God. And I'm looking. The goats. What does that actually mean? And in my search, the goats was to provoke anger and they would use this instrument. It was like, um, kind of like a snooker cue stick. Um, and there was a sharp edge on, a sharp point on the end of it. And what they would do w- would be, they would goad the ox in the back legs. And when the ox would feel the goading, it would actually pain him. And the farmer would do that to direct the oxen to pull the cart or to harvest the field, whatever, whatever, uh, way he wanted to do it. And I began to think about Paul. The early church was actually golden Paul. He was pained, Paul was, because the church was spreading and it was spreading so rapidly across the nations. Is there something prodding you this morning? Goading you this morning? Is it an unanswered question? An unanswered situation? Think about it. Acts 20, 24 says, Paul said, I consider my life worth nothing to me. Nothing to me. If only I finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying of the gospel of God's grace. Hallelujah.
What are you kicking against this morning? What is it that pains you? What are you kicking against this morning? You see, if God could use Saul of Tarsus, the holy terror, and transform him into a preacher, what can God do with you this morning?